with that said, I think there is a point where you have to step out of your comfort zone. So, you know, it's one thing to walk and you can absolutely walk for the rest of your life. and, And that's that, but you have to accept that whatever you're doing now is what, what the results that you currently have. Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause podcast, the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And my guest today is someone who's going to talk to us about fitness. And it is Nicole Simonin. And she is a personal trainer and health coach. And she is also a podcast host of the Shape It Up Over 40 podcast and also author of the No Fuss, No Mess Shape It Up cookbook. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you, Clarissa, so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm really excited for you to share a lot about fitness to to my ladies. I know that so many of my listeners go, oh, exercise really hard, you know, and and it is a little harder as we get older. But um, let's start a little bit about you, Nicole. How did you get into this space and what's your story? Well, um, my story actually begins when I was 17. So when I was 17, I was very active as a ballet dancer in the company that I was growing up in. And there was one morning I woke up and we were supposed to go to New York City to get costumes made. And I woke up and I couldn't move. And I just felt like there were cement blocks on top of me. And I had a really hard time rolling over to grab the phone. That was when we didn't have cell phones. We had the cords. (laughs) And um, I called my dance teacher. I was like, look, I, I cannot come. And she was the type of dance studio that I grew up in was very much very strict. Like if you didn't show up, you were on death's door and there was, there's gotta be a really good reason. And three days later, I wound up in the hospital and the doctors had no clue as to what was going on with me. Um, I could barely squeeze toothpaste out. I needed help walking and they really were baffled. They didn't know, you know, what was going on. They told my mom that I would likely not be able to walk and would probably be blind. At the same time this was going on, my father had been skiing up north and he fell and broke his hip and he was in the hospital getting surgery. And I can't imagine what my mom was going through because she didn't tell him that I was in the hospital. She didn't want to worry him, obviously. No, no. Yeah. But um, so basically the doctors gave me a huge dose of steroids and they sent me home and were like, you know, we're just going to try and keep her comfortable and let's see how things progress. Um, about six months later, I finally had one more symptom and then they were able to diagnose me. And I have, it's, it used to be called something else, but now it's called reactive juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So basically what happens is if you get an infection or whatever, you, you get this big blow up of, uh, rheumatoid arthritis where you really can't move. Um, so it is genetic, but something else has to trigger it in order for it to. Wow. That's a big shock when you're 17. I mean, you suddenly are this fit and obviously to dance very at a high level, you are very, very fit. What was your recovery from that? 
Well, that um, whole process probably took about six months when they finally diagnosed me. And then three months later, I was actually dancing on scholarship at Radford University, which is in Virginia, um, going for my Bachelor of Fine Arts. And one of the things that um, I kind of look back on is that when most people hear the story, they kind of think like, oh my gosh, like, how did you deal with it? And I don't know if it's because I was 17 and I was just kind of like young bliss, very ignorant <laughs> or very determined and bullheaded, I don't know. But the thought of not walking or even reading um, or like seeing wasn't an option for me. Like it just didn't occur to me. Um, after graduating Radford University, I did go on to become a professional ballet dancer, which eventually led into working in physical therapy for a number of years. And then I had my my oldest, my son, and that was how my new business started, which is Shape It Up, because I, I didn't want to go back to work <laughs> as I had my first son. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's quite a story. I mean, to sort of go from, you know, being a ballet dancer and then you have your son and what changed then just that you didn't want to go back to dancing because it's very demanding or? oh yeah when i was dancing i probably stopped when i was 30. so if you're familiar at least in the united states the dance career is very young so meaning if you're like 21 you're considered old which is ridiculous <laughs> but um yeah so the fact that yeah, i, I danced that. as long as i did yeah I, and honestly it was um i was actually driving home i was dancing with pennsylvania ballet i was doing a guest appearance and i had hurt my foot not enough where i couldn't dance but enough where i was driving home in a snowstorm and i distinctly remember my foot killing me and i was like i've got to find something that doesn't rely on my body so I went into physical therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's still to do with your body. <laughs> yeah. And then I went into personal training and, you know, and it's still, and it's interesting because, you know, for me to say that it makes no sense looking back now because we need our bodies, you know, and to not want to push my body, maybe not to the extent of how I was when I was dancing professionally, but you do want to, you know, push your body and keep moving your body because when you stop, that's when all the problems happen. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what we often hear, isn't it, from women who are kind of 40 plus, 50 plus, that they stiffen up. Why does that happen, Nicole? I, I really think it's from inactivity. Mm. Um, because one of the things, like, so with my illness and everything, one of the things that I try to come out of that is, like, I don't really dwell on what actually happened, but I remember the funny moments that happened. Um, like there, my mom used to wheel me around in the wheelchair in the hospital and I used to be wor really worried about my feet because she kept running into the doorways of the hospital while I was in the wheelchair and I kept thinking she's going to like break my feet, <laughs> um, and different things like that. So I think being young there, we, as being young, like we have this like resilience and this like, um, young bliss where we're kind of, you know, open to possibilities. And I think as we get older, and I am over 40, I'm teetering into 50. And I think that we just as assume that like, you know, our genetics are horrible. It's all downhill after 40. You know, there's no hope. We can never lose weight over 40. And that's really not the case. No, I would say that. But I do notice that a lot of, of women do have that mindset and also that they somehow stop exercising 
Right. What's driving that, Nicole? What's driving this stopping exercise? I, so one of the things that I work on with my clients is we do go through nutrition. Like I custom design a workout program for them. I give them a nutrition framework that they can tailor to fit into their lifestyle. But the missing piece I find is mindset. And if you like, cause I don't know how it is over on, on your side of the, uh, the water, but <laughs> in America, there's a saying like, you know, you need to move more and eat less. And yes, that's true, but why don't we do it? Like, I feel like we have the information, at least the basics. We all know, you know, eating a donut is probably not as good for you as eating an apple. And we have that information, but why don't we do it? And that's where the mindset really comes in and figuring out, like, instead of blaming your genetics or blaming, like, I remember years ago, my husband, um, he loved this bakery that we, that it's not in existence anymore, but no exaggeration would come home with six dozen of my favorite donuts. And like, I love donuts. A <laughs> dozen, yummy, not six of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I felt like I had no control over whether or not I ate that food. And over the years, I've learned that it's, it's mindset. It's really like what you're thinking, how you're thinking about the food. Um, you know, being a ballet dancer, I came from a place where it was like, you restrict the food and then you go overboard. And I find that most women who grew up in the 70s, the 80s and 90s, they do have that mentality of like, oh, well, I'll just not eat whatever. I'll eat really bird food and then I'll do tons of cardio. Yeah. And, and then it like boomerangs, it backfires almost. Yeah, I mean, I, I can sort of relate to that in that, you know, a lot of people eat, they eat very little. It's like they almost starve themselves. And then wait for the weekend when there's wine and barbecues and big party. And then suddenly like, oh, no, no, I'm, I don't eat from the morning. I just have coffee all day. And that's not really good for your system, is it? I think it depends on the person. So like my philosophy is, is we're so different. Everybody is such a different person. Yes, we have the same biological you know, makeup, but a lot of how you grew up, how you were taught to eat, how food affects you because I feel like as women we are definitely um, tied to food emotionally so one of the things I always tell people is if your stomach is not growling um, sorry if your stomach is growling you need to eat if your stomach is not growling and you go for food you're eating for emotional reasons yeah. and that's what we need to dive into not just shove it aside or overeat and kind of push down those feelings we need to discover what it is that we're missing or what emotional need we need mm -hmm. instead of grabbing the donut or instead of grabbing the glass of wine yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> that's very true and it's not always food we need is it no absolutely not like like i said if you are if your stomach is growling you obviously need food like yeah. there's no getting around that. Well, but you if feel you're a not, bit weak and lightheaded as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blood sugar issues. Um, that's a whole probably another topic <laughs> of types of food. Um, but yeah, I really find that that is the missing piece. And I feel like when clients come to me and we can figure out their mind drama around whether it's exercising, whether it's, you know, whatever foods they feel like they can or cannot eat. Um, that's where the magic happens. That's where the weight starts to fall off. And that's where it kind of becomes easy and effortless 
Mm. because most of the time it feels like sacrifice and deprivation and, and, you know, I must white knuckle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hard work. But this eat, eat less, move more mentality. How does that work for women over 40? I find that as we age, we kind of, we do lose muscle mass, but it's not to the extent as what like the hyped up media makes it appear. It's not like you're losing pounds of muscle each, each week. Um, it's about three to 5% per decade. But when we are younger, we tend to have like the same structures to what we're eating. And as we get older, we don't really change that eating so much. And, but our activity level drops. So whether you're more sedentary or you're just not doing the things you used to do when you were 20 or 30, um, because I I know in my 30s, I was running around after two children and very active and I'm not as active. Plus my business is now virtual. (laughs) So I'm sitting a lot more, (laughs) but you have to compensate. And I think too, um, as you know, especially in America, um, we just don't move as much you know, like I know where I live, I live out in the country. And in order for me to get like the closest grocery store is seven miles away. So I'm not walking to the grocery store. Um, And I think people that are in the cities, yes, they may be walking, but there's a lot of, I love technology and everything, but there's a lot of things that have made our life so easy Mm -hmm. that we've just kind of become complacent and we're not moving as much as we are meant to move. Like the body was meant to move. Yeah, and I think that's the same whether we're in Europe or in the UK or Australia. We don't move like we used to. We get in our car, we live in the in the burbs, we drive to where we to the store, we drive just to go and get a coffee sometimes. And and so we don't move in the way that maybe our grandparents did. You know, they they walked right. everywhere because there wasn't even that much public transport. Right. So, and there wasn't that much food available. Like I mean, over here, there's a start, like, even though I'm out in the country, I could get on an uh, an app and have food delivered to me, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. And back in the day, yeah, yeah. (laughs) right. We are not, uh, there's no food shortage (laughs) or accessibility at all. Um, And, and I think it's progressed over the years, you know, as we, you know, people who were born in the great depression area in, in the United States, you know, they have that lack mentality of like, we must hold on to everything. And they pass that on to their children, mm-hmm. then passed it on to like my generation. And, you know, I just think that as long as we're aware of um, how much, how much we're eating and, and really, you know, I think a lot of people have lost touch with their hunger s- signals that, and when you eat, like you, you should stop when you're comfortably full, not when you're, mm-hmm. your button on your pants going to, fly off and kill somebody myself. you know <laughs> i think of pants <laughs> right because <laughs> right. that's a little easier these days okay kale okay, just go for sure. my big bigger pants <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You're right. we sit we sit more and we move and we move less so when we get to sort of 40 plus that's really Im- impactful on our health isn't it, it has big issues for our health yes um you know, they're now saying that sitting is like the number one almost killer because we're just not moving our bodies, you know, and there are a lot of um, cardiovascular factors and just even, um, I know for me, I, like I said, I've been sitting 
a decent amount lately because I've been doing a lot of podcasting, (laughs) but, um, like the front of my hips, which are hip flexors, they are super tight. And I find that, you know, you need to stretch. You need, if you're sitting, you need to go in the opposite direction of how you're sitting to stretch out those muscles and to stay, um, fluid. And that's part of getting older is, you know, in, as you move your body, you're actually lubricating your joints and you're stretching your muscles. And even if you're not you know, actually stretching, but you're moving those muscles and it's, it's kind of like, um, keeping your car oiled or, you know, the wheels grease, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to keep moving for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we end up sitting a lot, really sitting. And you, you talked about hips. I, I noticed that, that they're very tight. And is right. that a common thing you see in your clients? Um, tight hip flexors? Yeah. I, again, coming from the dance background, I was always, I wasn't, I was flexible. There are definitely some dancers that are more flexible than me for sure. And my hips were always tight. I have found me personally, yes, my hips are tighter, but I also know I haven't been stretching as much as I need to. I do find that certain types of people, like if you were a big runner, like runners never stretch. They, I don't know what it is. Their mentality is like, let's go and let's move on. (laughs) But the problem is, is they, they don't stretch their hamstrings, which is the muscle in the top back of your thigh. And what happens is when those hamstrings get super tight, your back actually compensates. So that's why runners have a lot of back problems. Um, it's not because of their back. It's because of the tight hamstrings. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I find that, um, most women do need to definitely stretch, you know, yoga, even if you don't do an official yoga class, taking some of those stretches, I think is very helpful. And just kind of doing what you feel you can do. Like, cause I mean, there are some crazy yoga poses where you're standing on your head and all that kind of thing. And I don't think it needs to go that far. And I think that's where the mentality too, of like, I'm over 40. I can't do that, but they're looking at, you know, the more advanced yogi. Um, same thing when you're doing weight training, like, you know, over here, um, there's like lots of flipping of huge monster tires and, you know, slamming the sledgehammers and, and you know, doing a thousand pull-ups. You don't have to do all that in order to be healthy. <laughs> That's uh, it, for sure. And I think that can be quite off of putting contact when we're sort of in our 40s and we come to we see yoga like that I mean I've practiced yoga a long time and I can stand on my head but I actually don't do it as much because my osteopath told me actually it's not that great for your neck and shoulders as you get older you know be, right, you don't right. do it all the time but yeah you're right you know we see these these people on Instagram they are very fit they're very young and they're also very strong and that can be very off-putting and we don't realize the strength that's involved yes what I drives me crazy not only just from as a personal trainer but as a physical therapist assistant like seeing the ones where they're standing on the big balls doing squats and stuff like that with holding dumbbells I'm like what (laughs) that does not need to even be out there I've been to a few classes like that and I can tell you that I couldn't stand for very long on those big um, Pilates balls. I was like, I can't get up here. What are you asking me to do? You know, I'm sitting here balancing. (laughs) It's one thing if you want to try it just to try it, but it's another thing if you think that this is the way you need to get in shape. And especially when you're over, over 40, I think most women are more concerned about getting hurt and, you know, how that 
can kind of lead into other things. Um, but I find that, you know, one part of me is, yes, you need to be concerned, but the other part is, you know, your thoughts and how you approach your workouts. Um, if you're thinking they have to be hard and really challenging and grueling, you're never going to do them. So you got to find something that you enjoy doing. So how do you approach clients who, you know, maybe have these thoughts and get them into a regular exercise that works for their bodies? So when I see clients, we do kind of like what we're doing now, talking um, each week. And we basically, that's where the mindset part comes in. So again, working on how they perceive the exercise and maybe what we call bridging thoughts where you, you know, if they hate that doing push-ups, we're going to be like, okay, well, let's find an exercise that's similar to the push-up or maybe hitting the muscles that way, but something that they enjoy. And just finding what they kind of will enjoy doing because like I've had some clients where they'll start off and I'll be like, we're just going to walk. Let's just start walking. Everybody can do that. You know, and I think too, once they, once they start going and they're like two weeks in or whatever, they're like, okay, I've got the walking down. <laughs> I'm doing it consistently. I'm feeling good. What's next? You know, and kind of building those building blocks. And that goes back to what I said earlier is everybody is so different. Like I have some clients that come in and they're like, you tell me what to do. I'll stand on my head. If you want me to stand on my head, it's all good. And then I have people that are very nervous and like, is this going to take forever? Is this going to be like, you know, like what we were talking about, very grueling. And, and I really try to make it as comfortable as possible. With that said, I think there is a point where you have to step out of your comfort zone. So, you know, it's one thing to walk and you can absolutely walk for the rest of your life. And and that's that, but you have to accept that whatever you're doing now is what, what the results that you currently have. So if walking is giving you the results that you want and you like, stick with it. But if it's, if you want to take it another step further and you're not seeing the results, then that's when you need to add certain things in or different things. And I really try to like find something that they enjoy. Um, the app that I use to give my clients workouts is um, is very friendly, like, and it's very easy to use. And a lot of my clients, all my clients love using the app because they can do it on their own, you know, and there's videos where I'm showing them how to do the workouts and I do custom design it to whatever they want to do. So if they want to do kickboxing, we're going to do kickboxing. If they want to do some yoga or Pilates, you know, we add that in as well. I really love that because that's giving people the chance to exercise and enjoy it. Yeah. There's a sort of a lot of things. I think we use language like should and must and ought and got that doesn't usually work. Does it? I call that no. smog. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the mindset comes in. I think because, you know, if you keep saying, I like, I remember talking to someone and they were like, well, if I force myself to do whatever. And I was like, stop right there. Because as soon as you say force, how long is that going to last? You know, that's not a lifestyle change. That's, that's you white knuckling it and, and persevering. And you can, there are some people that can survive for a short length of time. Like I would say maybe six weeks at the most, but after that it doesn't last. And then you, you know, that's, I have the big um, problem with like diets and, you know, those 12 week generic programs, because you may get in phenomenal shape in 12 weeks, but then what? 
unless you continue to do what you're doing. And usually if you're on a diet, it's deprivation. You're not eating certain foods. You're eating really low calories, something like that. Um, and if it's not fitting into your lifestyle, you are not going to stick with it. And then the weight comes back double because yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that happens a lot. One of the areas that I see a lot of women being encouraged to do is, is weights and sometimes some really big weights. Where is that coming from? Um, that, that sort of new, new trend of these really huge weights. And I mean, women drink, lifting them onto their shoulders. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's definitely a trend, but I mean, it, that is like the basic bodybuilding routines. Now I'm not talking, I don't know if you have CrossFit in your area. Okay. Um, again, I think CrossFit is for a certain type of person. I think that from a physical therapy standpoint, there's a lot of things that could be fixed <laughs> with CrossFit, but I think that's with any kind of trendy type, um, you know, business model. The thing that is important to know about building muscle is women cannot gain the, the thickness that they think they're going to get. <laughs> it is really, you have to be doing everything exactly right in order, I mean, like, like to gain muscle. It's very hard. There are some women that are predisposed, um, they're called mesomorphs, that do gain muscle fairly easily. Like there's three different body types. Um, However, what I always tell people is if you, like, because I do agree, you need to be lifting some sort of weights, and I'll get into the reasons of that, but um, if you gain muscle, it's so easy to lose. So that's the beauty of it. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just cut back on the weights and you do a little more cardio, and it just comes right off real quick. So, like, for instance, if you've ever been sick, you know how, like, like really yeah. sick, like where you're yeah, sitting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You feel really weak. You've lost muscle mass. It doesn't mean you can't get it back, but it's so easy to lose. I mean, you really start losing, you know, within 24, 48 hours of muscle strength. So I do find, I feel like weight training is the fountain of youth, especially when you're over 40. Um, I am not bulky by any stretch of the imagination, and I am lifting heavier weights. Now, I'm not lifting like power lifting. I'm not lifting, you know, deadlifts with 300 pounds. I'm not chest pressing, you know, 200 pounds or anything like that. Again, this is where I feel like, you know, everybody's individualized and everybody needs to be customized, which is why I feel like generic programs just don't work. Um, yeah. So when clients usually come to me, they are like, I can only lift five pound dumbbells. Now, I don't know what that is. For you guys about two kilos that's not kilos, very yeah. much it's, it's not very much at all yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> and when they start with me they're like you know five is too much and and then you know and eventually they're lifting 15 pounds 20 pounds over their heads doing shoulder presses and stuff like that and they're so much stronger and what is so good about this and it doesn't matter how old you are when you decide to start with this because you can see improvements wherever whatever age you're at, as long as you start weight training correctly. 
But what is important is you need to gain muscle mass or at least attempt to gain muscle mass as we get older because of the decline of muscle that we have over the years. So if you never pick up a weight or never do any kind of resistance training as you age, that's when you get the broken hips. That's when you really have trouble doing things. And I that's why I feel like it's the fountain of youth, because if you are trying to increase your muscle mass, not only is muscle more metabolic, yeah, yeah. burning more calories, sitting around doing nothing. Yes. Um, yes. You're going to be stronger. <laughs> like <Yes>. my, <laughs> one of my drives is, is I want to be 90 and be able to open up my own jars of food. Exactly. I don't, no. don't want to have somebody helping me to the bathroom, that kind of thing. You know, independence is, is so important as you yeah. age. And I don't think we think of it like that, but I love that you put it like that because what we kind of do now in our 40s and 50s, and I'm I'm six, I'm about to turn 60, so you know I'm really conscious that I don't want to be weak when I am, you know, 90. I want to be able to really keep going and moving. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so important, and that, like I said, that definitely is a driving force for me to stay in shape. And I know. Um, my clients are the same way. I mean, I deal with women over 40 and it's amazing to see them come in and be so scared of like lifting anything heavier than five pounds and to see them progress and be like, you know, lifting these heavy weights, but not just the physical part of lifting heavier weights, but it's like, you know, clients that are now skiing who have never skied, people yeah. that are hiking and doing all these activities that you know, most people over 60 just don't even think about, like, they're just resigned to sitting on the couch watching TV. And that's not the case. And that's not the case. No, I mean, I think that that I love that because then actually people are mentally healthier at that age as well, because we're getting out, you know, going for a one hour hike in nature is so good when maybe you're not seeing that many people or, you know, life is, life is smaller once you get a little bit older in some ways because you don't go to the office anymore and things like that. So the fact that you can get out and do something active is really important, isn't it? Beyond just the physical right. dimensions. Yeah. Right. That's how I feel like, like I was saying earlier with the, the young bliss, like I feel like we need to have old bliss and kind of be like, you don't need to be resigned to your couch. You can go out, you can do things, you can, you know, enjoy the time that we have on this planet because I don't know when it's, when it's up. <laughs> One of the things, I mean, women are obviously doing weights like more than five, more than five pounds. But, um, you know, when we think about that in terms of, you know, hit classes and things like that as well, that's one of the big fitness things that spins around here. Um, how do you view that in terms of women's pelvic floor and, and uh, you know, issues that a lot of women have? Again, I think it's really individualized and, you know, how bad is your pelvic floor? Should you be jumping? Should you be, you know, I do think weight training is helpful. I think anyone that has pelvic issues, um, definitely go to a doctor and find out exactly what's going on. But um, Pilates is great for your pelvic floor and your core. Uh, doing exercises like that. I don't think, um, I know over here, uh, there's a lot of women that are like, well, I do 500 sit-ups a day and shouldn't that fix that? I'm like, no. Whoa, 500 sit-ups. I don't know what you'd want to I do. I might be but... exaggerating, but <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Even 100 sit-ups a day. I mean, that's not, I've heard that before from people. Like, yeah. 
you know, or they think five, uh, 100 sit-ups a day is going to whittle their stomach. No, it, it you're not going to lose weight doing that. No. Yeah. So if you were to say, you know, the, some of the things that you think are really like building blocks in terms of um, this fitness and building up the kind of muscle, what, what would you be saying are some of the things women should be thinking about if they were approaching their fitness differently over 40? First off, we need to talk mindset. You need to have your brain in the right mindset because again, like if you're forcing yourself to go to the gym or you're forcing yourself to eat certain foods, doesn't you're not gonna last. <laughs> it's not gonna work. So I think that is the that's like the foundation. Um, that is one of the programs that I have in my uh, consults is we go over like the basics of what you need for your mindset because you know. I'm not sure what your philosophy is, but like whenever you have a thought, thoughts are what drive our actions and thoughts are what drive our feelings. And in order to change the results that we have, you need to be able to change the feeling and the thoughts. So they're serving you and not keeping you right where you are. So I think mindset is key. And then once we get that kind of dialed in, at least where you can uh, move forward in a way that's serving you, yep. then you start, and I would do basic weight training, you know, and just doing full body and just start. The other thing too, is I think people think they have to be in the gym for six hours a day. And again, that's not the case. Um, me personally, I spend for weight training, I like to keep it under 30 minutes. And I'm not doing hit. I'm doing straight weight training. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. So that's another thing. Like you don't need to spend hours and hours in the gym. I find that you're going to make it up during your day. So if you're staying active and you're moving, you know, like I work from home. So I try to set timers and I run and I'll do a load of laundry. I might do some squats while I'm folding the laundry, you know, or push-ups on the yeah. counter or something like that. Um, always walking down steps, those kind of things. Those little activities that I think people negate mm -hmm. are, they're really helpful. So instead of thinking you have to spend three hours in the gym, be more active throughout the day. And yeah. that's, that's really great advice as well. I mean, obviously start with your mind, but this sort of sense that you're weaving it into your day is just so much easier for people to think it's like every little bit counts then doesn't it right right it's not like oh i missed the gym so i might as well just forget the entire day no. you know what i mean like i think that's another mentality like you know if you miss not saying you should miss your workouts but <laughs> if you do miss it <laughs> it's kind of like you know um eating a whole pizza you know eating pizza and be like oh i blew my diet you know there was a um there's a saying that like if you're driving in your car and one tire blows out do you go out and and stab the other four tires no no it's not you, you just keep going first. fix fix it right 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 it's the same thing with dieting and exercising like i mm -hmm. and i know women tend to be all or nothing like i'm either on it or i'm off it and there's no gray there's no in between i mean i, I really think that um that is something we can work with then start working with ourselves small things i think we don't realize walking up and down the stairs is incredibly i mean i have a dog so i run up and down i live on the top floor apartment so i run up and down every every day five times a day with her because i have oh, that's to. awesome yeah that's awesome but, but yes but that sort of thing is just like going around walking moving as you said and getting up from your your um seat at your desk as well is you know pretty 
pretty good for people. And what do you think? Gym classes versus personal trainers. I thought I would check that one in, you know, if, where we are at. Um, I find, again, it goes back to individuality and what the person is looking for. There are definitely people that thrive more in the group environment, um, kind of like they feed off of other people's um, energy and, you know, their excitement of the workout. And I think that's great. I find that unless your form is really good, I feel like that's the missing part in a lot of the aerobics classes because they're not, at least in the United States, they're not trained to go over form. They're not trained. And not only that, but they can't really go around to everybody during the class because they're up demonstrating the exercises. So I like to have people go to a trainer and make sure that they, the trainer is qualified because in the United States, you could go online read a couple paragraphs give them some money and bam wow. personal trainer i don't think yeah. you can do that here that would oh that's good that wouldn't be legal here i don't think but uh, yeah certainly i know that from living in australia lots of people just set themselves up in the park with a few weights and some bands and then woohoo we're personal right. training and boot camp outside you know? right yeah. which don't get me wrong anybody who's trying to get anybody to move and be healthier i am all for yeah. but i do think especially when you're over 40 you need to make sure your form is correct mm-hmm. you need to make sure that you're doing exercises that are appropriate for you yeah um you know when you're over 40 there's a lot of knee issues there's hip issues and you don't get that so much when you're dealing with 20 year olds um and again nothing wrong with either age frame but it's it would be like you know, going to a, a doctor who is educated and has his degree and his residency versus <laughs> someone you're not, you know, who like, yeah, <laughs> just hung up an open sign and is like, come on in. I know exactly what's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I always tell people just investigate who, you know, look at their training, look at their, because, um, you know, the people that are the most fittest, sometimes as they're not always the best teachers. No, that's very, very true. And I love that you brought that up. My best yoga teacher I ever had used to sit on a chair and she'd (laughs) teach you and then she'd come around and do adjusting. But actually she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't young. She had a lot of, had had a lot of issues in her life with her shoulders, but she was a great teacher and she knew what she wanted you to do and where she could help you. But she certainly wasn't up there demonstrating as a picture of what a yogi looks like. So, yes. Yeah. Um, when I first started Shape It Up, um, ironically, I started online training, but the technology was horrible back then. It was 2006. And then once I had my two children, I went and I did boot camps in the park. And I never did the workout. And people would be like, why are you not working out with us? And I'm like, this is not my workout. I'm here to watch you guys. So like my boot camp was basically like private training for a small group of people. I did not do the workout. I went around, like you're saying with your yoga teacher and I would correct form. I would make suggestions, make modifications, anything like that. Um, which eventually I did transition into just private training and now I'm doing online coaching. But yeah, there's something to be said about just that one-on-one interaction i'm not saying that group programs aren't great but i really think that's the foundation like if you you start working with somebody you need to be working one-on-one with them so they can kind of understand where you are and where you want to go 
and then fill in those pieces, fill in those gaps. And then like, you know, if you have form under your belt and you feel confident in what you're doing, you know, go do those exercise classes as a bonus, as fun time, you know, and that kind of thing, or down the line, you know, something that you enjoy, but it, it you know, it's like school. You need to learn your ABCs before you mm -hmm. start speaking in sentences and writing in paragraphs. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Nicole, I've really enjoyed this. I mean, I've learned quite a lot and I think the listeners will have learned a lot about this whole approach, your mind, you don't have to be slogging it, guys, in the gym. <laughs> Please, you know, choose the shorter lesson. If you go to the gym, you know, and you want to join a class, maybe 30 minutes is, it, is enough. But and, and really getting the form right, I think that's very important. And, you know, I love the idea that you start small and you can move from a small base forward. And there is, there is real hope to be fit after 40. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely, um, you take a look at my website. <laughs> the women that are on there, I mean, you'd be amazed. They're not, and it's not like they're ripped. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not like, you know, ready to step on the stage for a bikini contest, but they're functioning as they want to in their adult life. And I think that's really important. Yes, we want to look good, but feeling good and performing the way that we want to perform in our daily activities, I think is much more important. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Nicole. So how can people get in contact with you? You can go to my website, which is shapeitupfitness.com. Um, I am running a free seven-day challenge. It's coming up in June and it's called Crush Your Cravings. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Definitely, you can check that out. That's at shapeitupfitness.com slash stop cravings. And uh, you can register for that. It's absolutely free. Sounds wonderful. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so much energy and really great steps forward for women over 40. Thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you. Wow, well, I hope you got lots of that. I know that I did. And I feel really pumped. The fact that I can get fit, stay fit, keep my weight under control without spending hours in the gym. Hurrah for that. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe and share to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next week, we're going to be talking toxins. As a subject very dear to my heart, and it's very important if we want to thrive through menopause and beyond. Until next time, go well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.